Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Um, welcome to episode, I don't know, 78? Yeah. Yeah. That means it's a deck tale. Um, and today, I've got a deck that I've played a handful of times now. Um, I've been working on it here and there. It's finally all come together. Everything came in the mail. I played some with it, and uh, it... It does a thing. So that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about a deck uh, based around a partner with Duo from, I believe, C20. So, you know, fans of our last episode will know uh, C20 is the Akoria commander set. Could it, Honestly, didn't plan it that way. You, but, uh, you, might, you might actually find some of the cards we mentioned la- in, in, the, in the last show. Mm, probably in this one. Oh, I know. Almost definitely. Yes, we'll definitely. Have, we'll have the deck list posted. Um, pulled out a few cards here that I do want to make sure I talk about. Sure. Um, but uh, the 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 partner with duo the partners are Kazer Ruthless Stalker three in a green for a three three human warrior partner with Ukima Stalking Shadow. Uh, but before I get to that, it says whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. And then Ukima Stalking Shadow is blue red blue red. <laughs> I wish. Blue black one for a two two. Uh, partner with Kazar Ruthless Stalker. Uh, for those who don't know, partner with says when this creature enters the battlefield, target player may put Kazer, Ruth, uh, Kazer into their hand from their library, then shuffle. So it is notably not uh, search your library, but it's also um, not helpful if one of them's in the command zone. So there's that. Uh, Ukima also says it can't be blocked, and it says when it leaves the battlefield, it deals X damage to target player, and you gain X life where X is its power. Um, I've dubbed this deck No Relation because, uh, well... We've got Kazer Stalker. No relation. In case you're wondering, folks, Andy's last name is Stalker. With an O. With an O. O-C. Not A-L. Yes. So, a little little funny, uh, but <laughs> um, this deck kind of came about because I, I might have been looking for Demir. Came across Kazer, or not Kazer, I came across Ukima, and I was like, oh, this would be a cool deck. Um, I, I just really really went for the can't be blocked uh idea oh see i thought you were going with the whole whale wolf the- whale wolf theme oh yeah 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 because yeah, i tell you there's so many whales in this deck well and ukima stalking shadow is a whale wolf yes now, so if you're w- ever wondering i wonder what the combination of a whale and a wolf would look like go check out the card apparently it looks like an oversized wolf yeah with a cool tail like yeah. Um, yeah. So then that brought me. I mean, I, I started this back back when Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was kind of the hip thing. So I had uh, some some ninja cards um, that I was sure to uh, get onto the battlefield with uh, with ninjutsu because right. Ukima hey, can't hey. be blocked, and you get more value out of it leaving the battlefield. So right. you know. Um, I kind of took the deck in that direction. Um, I had the the bio box promo of Satoru Umazawa, uh, who uh, 
I could read the whole card, but I'm just going to read the last line, which says, Each creature in your hand has ninjutsu, blue-black, two. So okay. for four, during combat, you can ninjutsu out right. something for your commander, uh, or vice versa, take out Ukima, put something in, you know, at the very least, gain two life. Uh, there's not too much of the gaining life in this deck, but there is a lot of things that can also proc the it leaving the battlefield more than just dying, right. which is nice. Um, so I kind of went the the ninja route, and I was hoping that uh, Satoru could help me there. Um, I've got a few other ninjas, but um, you know, with Satoru Umazawa, like you do get the like any creature can be a ninja, which is right. pretty cool. Um, so did the rogue theme come out of? The ninja theme? Because um, I, I did notice a number of rogues in the deck, and um, and I noticed that neither of the commanders are. So The rogue thing kind of came out of the ninja thing. It was kind of a lot of just uh, me going the route of ninjas and then thinking about what else can't be blocked. Right. And then... Okay. Or even... Uh, I was looking at a lot of cards that said when it deals damage, do X. Uh, when it deals combat damage to a player, do X. So it kind of uh, helped me out there as well. It just it was incidental to have a lot of rogues. I wasn't like searching for rogues. Uh, but let's see. Mari, the Killing Quill. Um, it says whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, exile it with a hit counter on it. And then it also says... Assassins, mercenaries, and rogues you control have death touch. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may remove a hit counter from a card that player owns in exile. If you do, draw a card and create two treasure tokens. So I figured it would kind of slot in nicely here to at least get some card draw and some treasures. Haven't really had it do much. Right. Uh, I mean, I particularly like it because I also feel like in just about all the decks I build now, I try and get some sort of graveyard removal mm. just because every deck is using the is is abusing the graveyard so with mari i mean that just comes to a stop for your opponent oh absolutely um and it doesn't mention anything after the hit counter leaves like you don't ha like they don't return to the graveyard right i mean this is a three two creature for three mana Honestly, if it did nothing other than whenever a creature an opponent control dies, exile it with a hit counter on it. Mm. And then it didn't say anything else afterwards. You'd say, that's weird that it puts a hit counter and doesn't explain what the hit counter is. But <laughs> it just means that your opponents really can't do any, uh, you know, can't put something in the graveyard with the goal of getting it back out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and she's an assassin herself, so she gives herself death touch, which is, I mean, right. fantastic for a 3-2. Yeah. Yeah, so I went that way with a lot of the... Uh, can't be blocked type of things and what kind of came out of it was uh, I came across this card that is a house it just was so powerful okay. the last time I played it um, Grazalax uh, Ithalid Scholar for blue blue one it's a three two legendary creature horror uh, it's from AFR so it's uh, fairly recent it says whenever a creature you control becomes blocked you may return it to its owner's hand Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So you can save things from dying. Um, it's kind of faux ninjutsu. Kind of? Not really. No. Uh, it, if 
for whatever reason, uh, your opponent's block, you, it, it incentivizes you attack all the time with everything, forever. Uh, because if somebody blocks something, you can always be like, oh, well, this is a bad trade for me. I'm right. going to bounce it. Um, also, it obviously synergizes with Ukima, where if, I mean, I guess not really. I was going to say if Ukima gets blocked, which it won't, uh, you can bounce it. Right. But, uh, you know, it it synergizes in so much as whenever it de- deals damage to a player, you get to draw a card. Um, the nice thing as well with this is that, I mean, I guess not the nice thing, the opposite of the nice thing. Uh, the thing that is unfortunate about this is that it says when one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So the most you're going to draw off of this is three per Assuming attack. you're hitting three opponents. Assuming yeah. you're hitting three opponents. Um, because if you, you know, attack out with everything at one person, you're going to be... Uh, unless you have, you know, double strike or whatever. Right. Uh, it's going to be drawing you a mm-hmm. card per player dealt damage. Right. Each instance. Um, which does not count. Because it's one or more. It, you get it. Yep. Um... Speaking of double strike, I've got fire trigger obviously in this deck because, because uh, yeah, it, I mean this this deck does fairly revolve around combat da- uh, commander damage. You get Ukima out on th- third turn, sure. second turn. Um, you just start going after one player. If you have fire trigger, it's it's going going up fast commander right. damage because they're never going to block it. They have to kill it to get rid of it. In which right. case, then you just get some life back. Which is also nice too, because I've got Netherborn Altar. Yes. From last week. Speaking of cards we talked deck, about last week, yes. Um, which is going to essentially trade uh, commander tax for life, uh, paying life. Um, so you don't have to necessarily pay the commander tax, you just pay three life per counters on this card. Right. Um, so, like, if you're gaining life. Yeah, and I mean, and you are because right. if Okima is dying, you're gaining yeah. life equal to its power. So, um, I would I would hazard a guess that casting it uh, on your second cast, you're paying three life. On your third cast, you would pay six. That's right, assuming the it's just the altar, and you're not paying the commander tax. Right, uh, having it die twice, you're probably gaining close to that much life anyway, maybe more. Yeah. Maybe significantly more, given some of the other cards that are in the deck. Yeah. Um, and so the idea behind the deck is kind of mostly based around Ukima. Yeah. Everything else can be seen in that lens. Um, I mean, obviously, Kazir gives Ukima plus one counters mm-hmm. and all of your other creatures. Um, and that's where the next kind of part came in was that I was like, oh, I'm going to because it's Ukima's power specifically um, I'm going to do what I can to make their power bigger and bigger and bigger um, in whatever way possible Sure. Uh, so I've got things I mean even supernatural stamina uh, I, I have a, a handful of cards that I call insurance uh, yep. it's things that you cast on your creature just before it dies to make sure it just comes back right. when it dies uh, supernatural stamina, for instance, gives it plus two, plus O, oh, and when it dies, return to the battlefield under its control, owner's control, t- uh, tapped under its owner's control. So, uh, you know, 
Ukima sitting f- as a four two when it leaves, drain somebody for four. It's great. Right. Um, there, there are those types of things. Um, I, I've got coiling stalker and other things. Uh, coiling stalker is a nice uh, overlap between the ninja stuff, but also the plus one plus one counter stuff. Uh, I'm just trying to pump up any and all of my creatures, but. Obviously, I'm focusing on Ukima for that effect. Um, yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, I know a lot of the a lot of the ways to bump to to make Ukima grow. Your big power section. Have you used it, or have you used it on a different creature other than Ukima, or is this? I mean, Ukima is the over the overarching target, obviously. But you know, will would you be willing to target anything else, or yeah, better I mean, off to just wait and. I think it depends on the creature. I think a lot of things I don't necessarily carry to, uh, care too much about in terms of keeping around. Um, right. I've got ways to uh, save them, sure. I mean, they're the ways to save Ukima as well, or at least make sure that they come back mm-hmm. within a reasonable amount of time. Um, but, uh, for instance, uh, like Necropolis region, I think would be maybe the most... Uh, important or not even important but the thing in that if i got it to resolve i'd well, want yeah, certainly I'd the want most, to one of the most dramatic ways to yeah. to make things happen um but i think even like i think a lot of my creatures like i don't really care too much about gretchen tichwell might be on its way out um but i think overall it's kind of all behind the the general of ukima i think it's all facing that way right which maybe uh be bad to a point but i think overall the deck can still run without her uh on the battlefield right um especially where it's so heavy in plus one plus one counters um and this deck does uh run a suite uh of uh persist right i've got a lot of persist cards and cauldron of of a uh, cauldron of souls yeah um, so that you know because i'm making so many plus one plus one counters if i start giving things persist as they're dying they come back with minus one minus one counters but if i can just easily give them plus one plus one counters great right um, i mean the necro- it's not a huge you know, necropolis region says that yeah ukima gets big but honestly if ukima's not there well all the other creatures are, are also getting that same benefit mm. and you know Necropolis region piles that up pretty quick, and I mean, Drana does the same thing. Mm. So you get you get I, benefits across the board, and a Forgotten Agent. Uh, you know, when your upkeep comes around, those tokens can go anywhere. They don't necessarily have to go on Akima. Um, a number of the cards give give plus one plus one counters as opposed to just plus X plus X or mm. you know whatever. Uh, so has that been an issue as far as you know? I mean. You want Akima to die, but at the same time, you don't really want Akima to die because then you lose the counters. So, is that has that been an issue or something that you've looked at, or is that just sort of the way the deck runs now, and we'll see what happens? Um, I I've definitely had moments where it ends up being uh, a challenge to uh, kind of judge of like, okay, like do I care if Akima dies? I get all this life gain but I lose all these counters that I had worked up towards. Right. Um, but I think overall it kind of ends up coming back down to the same ideology behind Lelia, where it's like, like I could exile an Embercleave and not be able to play it and be like, ah, oh, 
but like you know i also have 60 other cards in the deck yeah uh, so i think um I, I i feel like i have enough in this deck to be able to get the engine back up and going if for whatever reason say sure. um the i think the thing that i've held back on in the best of my memory is colossification Classification is five green green enchant creature when yeah. it enters the battlefield tap enchanted creature enchanted creature gets plus 20 plus 20 obviously with a 2-2 commander you that win. can't be blocked yes one hit kill right. it's great uh the downside obviously is that it taps your creature um i think this would be ideal for second main phase after you've already attacked but it also just like leaves you open and people see it uh yeah a card like classification at best to me it feels more like a case of i guess nobody has any counters because mm. if you're not countering this then clearly i am good to go yeah i mean yeah sure i get it there's the disenchant and there you know there's permanent removal that doesn't necessarily have to target uh ukima because you don't really want to kill ukima Right. When it's a 22-22. But Colossification does paint this massive target. Yeah. And it's it says, it has to be gone or I have to be gone. You can't you can't wait around. I mean, you know, it, it's that that's a dangerous game to play uh, for your opponents. So to, it does create a bit of a target. And if ever there was a time for someone to play their removal, it's in response to the Colossification. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. Once, once magic players love value. Once it's on the chance. battlefield, like you said, it's very hard to deal with because you have to hit the enchantment. Because if you right. hit the creature, uh, yeah, the it, me in this instance will remember that you hit the the uh, the creature and you will take that damage and I will gain that life. Right. Um. So I mean, we've we've you were there when that happened mm -hmm. they correctly got rid of the enchantment i believe yes i don't remember um i think that's what happened and you know it was fine because i mean realistically they were already at 16 commander damage uh <laughs> so if i was going to try to kill them i would have to find a and I, I would still have an easier time than going for any of my other opponents who had lower commander damages right. um but it was definitely it it's a very exciting moment to have it resolve because your opponents have to figure out a way to get around that um or they'll start dying one by one uh but you know knowing it's in the deck doesn't necessarily mean that they need to go after me instantly um right but um let's see anything else i want to talk about before break um the nice thing with the ninjutsu stuff is that uh, it obviously bounces stuff to your hand. Right. Uh, so, for instance, Capitec Wrecker. I don't know if that's in my maybe board. Uh, when I when I first it put is. this deck together, I had a maybe board that ended up being just stuff that I had had that I slotted in to wait for cards that I didn't have. Uh, <laughs> and I think this one just fits nicely. It's a... Yeah. It's from Neon Dynasty. It's one and a green for a 1-3. Ninjutsu, a one and a green. Uh, it comes in, taps and attacking. It's obviously unblocked because it replaced the unblocked creature. 
Uh, it says, it enters the battlefield with a death touch counter on it, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you may remove a death touch counter from it. When you do exile target artifact or enchantment, that player controls. Uh, so, uh, and the nice thing about this is that you don't have to ninjutsu it out to have that happen. Uh, the death yeah, touch counter. The yeah, the so. death touch counter is nice because it is it disincentivizes your uh, your opponent yep. to uh, block, but they also know that if you take that death touch counter off, they get their artifact or enchantment exiled. Right. Um, and I think the thing with a couple of these ninjutsu cards um, is that some of them just feel. Uh, Christmas land almost where I mean like um, it's easy to get them out but what are the the realistic things that are going on at the time um, like for instance I have Springleaf Avenger in here and it says whenever it deals combat damage to a player return target permanent card any permanent from your graveyard to your hand which is exciting you know I've got plenty of non-creature permanents I've sure. got creature permanents that I do want in my hand they help uh, this helps kind of fuel that ninjutsu uh, engine. Yeah. Um, especially with with uh, Satoru Umazawa. Um, but overall, it helps you get back things. But, you know, from then on, people know you have a 6-5 either on the board or in your hand um, that can do the thing it does. Um, well, which, if nothing else, that increases the chance of it not being blocked yeah that's or, true or i guess decreases the chance of it yeah. not being blocked because um, they know that it's going to come out and smack them for six but um it certainly makes them more you know i find that when people know that their blockers are going to die they're less likely to want to actually block yeah um which is a little counterintuitive but and to also help fuel that ninja stuff uh because I have so many plus one plus one counter synergies yeah. in this deck, uh, I've got Herald of Secret Streams. It's a two three for blue and a three uh, for more Merfolk Warrior. It says creatures you control plus one plus one counters on them can't be blocked, uh, which is uh, sick, <laughs> uh, both gross and awesome. Uh, it's it's exactly what this deck wants to do. Plus one, plus one counters, yeah. and can't be blocked. This card belongs to my Varel deck. It's it's nuts. <laughs> uh, I think this card doesn't see enough play, honestly. As many plus one, plus one counter synergies as I see in at least even our right. meta, uh, it's it's intense. Uh, we're going to throw it to break real quick, mm -hmm. and when we get back, I'm going to talk about uh, kind of the last synergy and some, some going forward measures that I have in mind for this deck. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, a couple of questions to throw in there and a couple of yeah. suggestions. So when uh, when we get back, be excited because uh, we're we're diving in. If you know what I mean. We'll be right back. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Hall of Storm Giants. Uh, because who really wants to block a seven-seven with Ward Three? It's still a land. It's still a land. All right, back to you. So we're back. We're talking about Ukima Stalking Shadow and Kazur Ruthless Stalker. No relation. Um, and I don't know. Uh, this deck, it came together 
it felt really good when it came together. Uh, honestly, I feel like there are certain synergies in this deck that I want to express more. But I also feel like this deck is already doing so many things. And on my drive over here, I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know, it does do a lot of things. But a lot of those things overlap. You know, you've got right. the plus one, plus one counters. We've got the unblockable. Uh, we've got the, you know, the bounce stuff. Uh, and overall, it uh, they play so well into each other. Obviously, the, the unblockable stuff and the plus one, plus one counter stuff plays well together because... I mean, if you're going unblockable, yeah. then you want to do as much damage as possible. Um, but, so, I, I feel like the commander really ends up bringing those those aspects together fairly nicely. Uh, because it does give you at least an outlet to uh, to build upon these, these pillars. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, I think that generally speaking uh, and i'll talk about this in a bit but generally speaking a lot of the uh going forward nature of this deck will end up being uh not necessarily cutting down on anything but finding cards that do the overlap uh even better um some of the cards that i i have yet to see really hit the battlefield um that I, I hope to see soon um, play into that uh, that bounce that I was talking about um, because Ukima says when it leaves the battlefield it deals X damage and you gain X life where X is power so right. it doesn't have to be dying it, it can be exile it doesn't like it can be bounce it can right. be flicker um, and so uh, I mean you know whenever anybody thinks flicker especially in blue uh, I've got Thassa Deep Dwelling and Conjurer's Closet, which both say at the beginning of your end step, you may exile up to... Uh, one says, you, you may exile target creature you control or return it to the battlefield under your control. Uh, and so does Thassa. So, Thassa yeah. uh, <laughs> is a 6-5 indestructible as well, and as long as your devotion is uh, to blue is less than 5, it's not a creature. But she also comes with this handy little uh, tapping ability of 3 and a blue tap target creature. Right. Uh which, you know, whatever. Um, I really like these cards, and I, I feel like there might be a few other ones. Uh, I mean, I've got the the, the Into the Royal type uh, yeah. cards that bounce right. uh, back to your hand, so then you have to play them. But it, they're all in there to protect... I mean, those ones more so are in there to protect Ukima in terms of just like not letting her get back to the command zone. But also... I mean, uh, just triggering that that ability, um, and so a lot of uh, between the ninja cards and these cards, I do have cards that care about either leaving or uh, entering the battlefield. I mean, commanders made up of ETB effects, right? Almost unanimously. Yeah. Um, and so it was it was nice to have those. Um, I, that maybe that's where I would bring this deck a little bit more of some ETB stuff, uh, but uh, I think the persist things in this deck really shine with that uh, because so many of them are uh, either ETB or when they come back to the battlefield. Obviously, they don't have the minus one minus one counter anymore, so like 
you know, you can do the whole persist thing again. Obviously with Eerie Oofs, it's a 3-3 and you can sack it to deal damage equal to its power to target a creature with flying. Um, you know, you sack it, it's a 3-3. You do 3 to a flying creature, it comes back with a minus 1, minus 1 counter on it. And if turn Codger's Closet triggers, it comes back. Uh, you bounce it and it, or you flicker it and it comes back without the minus 1, minus 1 counter on it. Uh, so there, obviously there's that type of thing. Um, Puppeteer Clique, uh, three two flying when it enters the battlefield. Put target creature card from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Gains haste at the beginning of your next end step. Exile it, uh, which is pretty freaking cool, especially if you have ways to flicker it. Uh, obviously, these two things flicker at the beginning of an end step. Um, right. And Puppeteer Click uh, cares about the end or the beginning of your next end step. So if this comes back out, the beginning of your end step, you get something from somebody's graveyard, and then you have it until your next end step you have yeah. it for a full round. It's amazing. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of those types of things. Um, and obviously, Grazalax feeds into that runaway together, uh, those types of things. Um, but uh, a card that... <laughs> I hope to one day kind of recur in this way is Void Mage Apprentice. Yep. Uh, for those who don't know, Void Mage Apprentice is a 1-1 one, one for one and a blue. Wow. Uh, it has more for uh, two blue-blue. And for those who don't know, which may be a number of you, uh, you may play this face down as a 2-2 two, two creature for three. Turn it face up anytime for its morph cost. And then when it says whenever... Or when Void Mage Apprentice is turned face up, counter target spell. So, you know, it will take being on the battlefield once for people to understand that that is a Void Mage Apprentice. Uh, once you counter a thing with it. But, uh, say it's out there, you counter a thing, and then you bounce it back to your hand with Into the Royal or uh, the other one. You know, any way you can get it back to your hand or, you know, recur it out of the graveyard. If you get it back to your hand, ninjutsu, say, uh, you can play it again as a morph and then fairly well uh, broadcast that you have a counter available. Right. Uh, which is just the way I like to play counters, which is uh, to say, you'll see them coming. Uh, well, and contrary to popular belief... Um, when everybody knows you have the counter, most people are reluctant to play a spell. <laughs> it's one thing when you have one opponent and they know it's going to counter something. So they play something out to bait out the counter. Yeah. When you're playing in a multiplayer game, why would I throw something to bait out a counter when I can just wait and let the next guy <laughs> use up his card on your counter? Yeah. So a lot of times what ends up happening is you see a lot of players who just sit there and won't play anything out. It's like, no, let somebody else do it. So as long as you keep the four mana up to morph it, you do whatever you want with the rest of your mana. Yeah. While everybody else is just sitting there waiting for somebody to play something that's going to get you to use your counterspell. Yeah. So. And on top of that, uh, you know, that probably will mean they stop playing creatures, which means they have less blockers to right. block, and now your ninjutsu stuff's going to start going off, uh, and it's going to be great. 
Right. Uh, I purposefully did not put Yuriko in this deck. Obviously, she's an expensive card, mm-hmm. but I also uh, I can't stand playing against it, so I am not going to play it. <laughs> uh-huh. um, one of the questions I had. Please. So, <clears throat> we mentioned this on the break, but why the creature lands? Um, I had them, for one. Okay. Um, uh, I realized I should probably put Hive of the Eye Tyrant. I think that was called. Uh, let me find it. Um, Hive of the Eye Tyrant, yeah. Hive of the Eye Tyrant in there because it, I mean, specifically has Menace. And uh, it's a creature that people won't really see coming. Um, but it also is a blocker. Uh, and obviously the Hall of whatever, the Hall of Storm, Storm Giants is a 7-7. Seven, seven. And if somebody doesn't see a 7-7 seven, seven coming, uh, or even as a blocker, uh, a 7-7 seven, is a very, very good blocker. Um, yeah. And if they're willing to pay not only a removal spell, but also three more mana uh, to get rid of it, then you've done a good job. Like right. That's that's essentially a two for one. Uh, sure, it's one of your lands, but like you've got plenty of lands in this deck. Right. My concern was that, you know, I always give my lands a second look to make sure I'm not running too many comes into play tap lands. Mm. Um, and I know these ones are all basically come into play tapped. Yeah. If you're playing it beyond turn three, they come in tapped. Right. Um, and when you're playing them that early, well, then you're not really interested in what kind of creature they become because the right. cost is just. Yes. Um, my my thoughts with it essentially kind of come down to uh, if you have the ability to do it, whether as a blocker or an attacker. Um, I think I mean I would obviously prefer an attacker in most instances in this sure. in this deck. Uh, if you're in a spot where you really need to get the hive of the eye tyrant through. Uh, probably means you're low on cards and you need the card draw and right. there are plenty of things in this deck that uh when you deal combat damage to player draw a card so that's kind of the idea behind it yeah. um was either nobody's going to block a seven seven or uh you know this land has menace uh yeah so uh that makes sense yeah um one of the cards that we haven't talked about yes and i appreciate that this is a a really minor point mm-hmm. um, but I just thought the card works so well in this deck uh, Ebony Fly oh yes I love Ebony Fly so for the folks at home Ebony Fly is a two mana a two mana artifact it enters the battlefield tapped now it taps for one colorless mana mm-hmm. and that's fine because if it comes into the battlefield tapped and it costs two mana, it's as though it was a three mana mana uh, rock. Yeah. However, set that aside for a minute uh, because the next one is where is it four mana? Roll a dot. Roll a d six until the end of the turn. You may have Ebony Fly become an XX insect artifact creature with flying, where X is the result. When whenever Ebony Fly attacks, another target attacking creature gains flying until the end of the turn. And if you're looking for Okima to get some kind of evasion, you Beyond just found it, it being unblockable. Well, yes, but I mean, there's you know, you've got so yeah. many other stuff that goes in here that you know to facilitate the uh, 
to facilitate the ninjutsu to, to yeah, do all exactly. of the other stuff. I love that option. Um, and it, yeah, and it's honestly, just a fun little even if you too. roll a one, yeah, you still swing. Yeah. If you you now have two flying creatures, are they going to block the one one, or are they going to block the beast? Because you certainly made the other one a beast, <laughs> or some some sort of massive creature now fl- yeah. hurtling through the air at them. So, uh, yeah, I really like that option. I like that you know you took something that from your ramp pack. You know, you found something that's part of a ramp package that aids the entire aids the deck with the rest of what it's doing, and I, I really like that. Yeah. So. Um, You've also got Gretchen Titchwillow in the ramp package, mm-hmm. but you just mentioned that you were looking to take her out. Is that just because of the um, four mana to draw a card and play a land, or is that just it's just not doing anything? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll I'd think differently if I ever got her down. Um, right. I think it really helps with things like, <clears throat> uh, you know, having maybe a some mysterious morph on the battlefield like you can hold up four mana easy and then uh if you don't end up countering anything you have somewhere to you like it's not a waste of four mana you know you get to draw you get to put a uh, land down or at the very least you get to draw yeah um, she's also you know not an insignificant blocker she's what a zero four zero four yeah uh that's not nothing no um especially yeah. if you put double strike then look out. <laughs> um, some things I put in this deck mostly because of you and John are Erratic Portal and Crystal Shard. Um, sure. They both pretty much say one mana and tap, return target creature to its owner's hand unless its controller pays one. Uh, you're generally going to be targeting your own things. Yes. Obviously. Uh, and you're going to generally not be paying that extra one because why would you? You're doing this to yourself. Right. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, it's a gotcha card on somebody else who mm. happens to tap out their mana. But for the most part, yeah, that, people just don't don't fall for that. Yeah, they understand that you're doing it for Ukima's second ability. Right. And honestly, if you do get, I mean, even if you don't get them, they're purposefully leaving one mana up now. You're, yeah. You've you've drained them of one land. Right. I am. I am less likely watching or waiting for a gotcha moment mm. than I am putting this down and then saying very clearly, make sure you keep a mana open, mm. or else I can bounce your creature. And that's kind of a lie that you have to keep two mana open <laughs> because I can target your creature and force you to spend a mana, and then on my turn I could do it again before you have a chance. So yeah. Um, so I mean, if you really if you really need something gone, that's that's an option. But I agree. I mean, these are in there for creatures that you want back in your hand, as opposed to sitting in the uh, command zone or in your graveyard. Um, I think something that could go well in this deck that I'm surprised they don't have. I think it actually might be in the list uh, on the baby board. No, I think okay. it's actually in the deck, but I just. I don't think I've acquired one yet, so it's not in the deck yet. But Forgotten Ancient. Uh, yes, Forgotten Ancient is on your list. So. If only for the second line in Forgotten Ancient, which allows you to move your counters, right? Right. So I can move all my counters to Akima. Akima's a f- fairly large wolf yeah. now. and Great. Go, go, go. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, I think that's a great one. And if I was um, made of money, obviously Ozolith would be in this deck. I was just going to say, the Ozolith is probably an obvious inclusion. Although... 
if you're looking at the money aspect, then you can probably also look at, um, I mean, then you're looking at anything that doubles your counters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I've got but, corpse Jack Menace in here, but I right. think that's pretty much it. I mean, but I, I mean, yeah, and I'm not really gonna go down that route. I mean, I think I have a peer somewhere in my collection, so I could put him in. Uh, right. I just I look at it and I'm like, right now the estimated cost in the deck is 171 dollars. Yeah. And so suggesting yeah. cards that are, you know. <laughs> yeah. almost 20 well over 20 percent right of the cost of the deck is is a little disingenuous so. yeah and i mean um, like i have a doubling season in my collection right. but i think i mean i i use plus one plus one counters a lot so it's already in one of my other decks if sure. that deck ends up kicking the bucket one day maybe i'll put it in here but right um, I think that it does generally a pretty good job of being focused around these other three things. I mean, we've got the plus one, plus one counters. We've got the unblockable. We've got uh, the kind of bounce stuff. Um, the thing that I found kind of doesn't have a place, and maybe uh, it kind of inspired me to start on my next deck, uh, is Rogue Class. It's an, it's an enchantment class, uh, and maybe I'll take this out for Forgotten Ancient. Uh, Rogue Class is blue and a, gr uh, blue and a green. I can't speak today. It's blue and a black. It's two mana. Uh, and when you play it, it just says, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library face down. You may look at it as long as it remains exiled. So, I mean, right. in the very least, you're getting rid of their top deck, uh, which is cool, uh, especially if they are already manipulating it somehow. Um, you can level it up uh, for one blue black creatures you control have menace so they're more likely to trigger that first part uh, and then level three uh, for two uh, for an additional two blue black uh, for, so for four mana level three says you may play cards exiled with rogues cla uh, rogue class and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells okay does the cool gaunty thing every time a creature deals combat damage right so if you've got a lot of creatures they've got menace now and now they're getting through and you get to play a lot of your opponent's cards if you wish right um, now this has obvious synergies in this deck a lot of things are going to get through unblocked uh so maybe i'll keep it for now i don't know i've got to play more with this deck honestly there there's very few cards that of the ones I've played, um, have underperformed, which is fantastic. I love this deck um, for the few times that I've played it so far. Right. It's got its kinks but uh, that need to be straightened out. Uh, but uh, that comes with time. That comes with playing it. Uh, right. And like you said, there's a couple of cards you're looking to, to swap out. and Well, I mean, I think that's true of every single deck I've Oh, absolutely! Once so. you once you consider a deck, <laughs> once you consider a deck finished, it gets boring. I think so. Yeah. So, so. Um, speaking of it needing its its laps, uh, its its proverbial laps, let's go play some magic. Sounds good. Um, we'll be back next week uh, with, I guess, more cards from the past couple years. Mm -hmm. um, what's the next set? Uh, Corset 2021 came out July 3rd of 2020. Okay. Uh, so next week, we're going to talk about that. Sounds good. So 
Join us then. It'll be exciting. Love talk about some about cool corsets. cards. Oh, me too. It's so much. It's so good. Let's go play some magic. Hmm. We're Temple of the False Pod. We're a decks are not optimized. But our plays sure as heck are fun. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a wonderful deck tale. Um, I, yeah. I, we got a couple more episodes left of this season. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Thank you again for listening. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Have a great night. And may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Manaburned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!